You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Uh, we are broadcasting to you with some new sound technology that I have uh, for my recording stuff. Thank you, Chuck, for that. So hopefully this is a good production. A late uh, Christmas present. So today we released the 2016 annual report for Strong Towns, which is pretty exciting. Um, and Chuck, I know you put a lot of work into that, and it was also the culmination of our work at the board and staff meeting a couple weeks ago. So do you have anything you want to say about that? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I think a lot of organizations put out annual reports at the end of the year as kind of a fundraising thing to say how you know great everything they've done is and uh, you know, happy stuff. We, we, we tend to do things, of course, a little bit differently. And, um, you know, I, I have to put together something for our board when we have our board meeting. Um, the questions that they ask me actually coming in is, okay, what did we do well? Tell us that. But also, you know, what did we fail? And, and more importantly, like, where are we, where are we going wrong? Like, what do we need to fix here? And our board meetings tend to be, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a thick skinned guy when this stuff comes out. I don't take it personally. I kind of feel like we're feeling our way through this stuff and we've, we've got to kind of work on it together. So our board meetings tend to have this kind of air of, all right, uh, that worked or that didn't work. And you know, where do we move on from here? So when we got, uh, you know, it was last, not this last weekend, not two days ago, but uh, nine days ago, we finished our board meeting and, uh, yeah, I, I took the, the stuff that came out of that, which was different than what I went in with and, uh, put that all into thing for our, our members and our audience. Um, we want them to not only to see the stuff that we did, uh, see the stuff where we kind of struggled a little bit, see, uh, our, our budget and our plan for the coming year. And then I think most importantly, kind of see the way we are going about in 2017, implementing our strategic plan. And, you know, we're, we, we adopted this plan in July of 2015 and it really has transformed the way we look at our organization and, and what we do and what we're good at. And so, you know, having a good sense of how we're going to go about doing that this year is, is really important. And I wanted to share that with, uh, with people. Yeah, I think you did a good job of framing it with your opening letter. And then it's also chock full of data. So if you are someone like me who loves to look at data, um, you probably want to check out this annual report. We have a lot of uh, like graphs about our um, communications engagement and um, social media engagement and memberships added. Um, I think one of the coolest things that you chose to include was the heat map that our colleague Max created um, that shows our concentrations of membership um, all over the country. And we probably should have thrown in some Canada, too. Um, there's a little bit of Canada on this one. But, yeah, that's pretty cool to see. And as you pointed out in your opening letter, uh, the heat map really shows the geographic diversity of our membership. North, south, east, west, rural, urban, everything in between. Um, 
that's what we're doing at Strong Towns. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I do think it's, it's interesting because we've had a lot of discussions over the past really two years intensely, but, but more than that about the, uh, the, for lack of a better term, the diversity of our movement. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a guy from Minnesota, central Minnesota. I always joke that, you know, we've have a lot of diversity here. We have Norwegians and Swedes and Finns and, and the occasional German. There's no wonder why in the early stages of the movement, I, I reached out to people who I knew and who I trusted and who I thought could help me uh, understand what I was doing and, and how to do it better. And they tend to be a lot of people who demographically uh, look a lot like me. Um, as we've grown, it's, you know, I, I, I have become cognizant and aware of the fact that my experiences represent a, a small sliver of America. And while mm -hmm. our message seems to be reaching a, a lot more than that sliver, um, you know, my experiences don't really prepare me for that. And so I, I've, I've tried to do what I can to kind of broaden my understanding and my base of knowledge and my my contacts and, and the people I'm interacting with, I, I, I do have a, a really strong belief that as a, as a national movement, as a movement that is trying to affect cultural change across this entire continent, we have to be cognizant and understanding of and, and reflective of experiences far beyond just what we have here in central Minnesota. So that, that's something we've been working on consciously. Uh, as we sat there in the meeting, and I, I'm not sure who said it first, but I was kind of thinking it. Um, when it comes to diversity, one of the things that a lot of organizations today struggle with is something that we have in spades, and that's ideological diversity. Um, as we sat around the room, I mean, we have people who are staunchly conservative and, and, and very liberal and, and you know, we have this like broad dialogue just among our board and our staff. And when you expand that to the people who listen to this podcast and, and read our stuff and have become members of our organization, of the movement, um, you know, we have this broad, broad cross-section. I think a lot of organizations today um, would, would kill to have this type of a dialogue across what really is, in many ways, our most, our, our widest divide in today's culture seems to be this, this ideological one. And, you know, our message has long been able to reach uh, everybody. I've gotten called in to speak to groups of Tea Party people. Um, I brought, brought in to speak of groups of, you know, biking advocates and environmental advocates and union advocates. And, you know, I've been equally well received in both. So what we've got is, in that sense, is really special. And I just, you know, wanted to take a moment and, and point it out because we are... Not, uh, you know, splitting the baby kind of stuff. And we're not saying, you know, oh, everybody's right and or everybody's wrong and we'll meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but our message, the way we talk about cities, the way we talk about development, the way we talk about growth and, and, and frame our, our conversation on how we make places more prosperous um, is, is, is inclusive of ideological perspectives from all over the map here in the United States. And, uh, you know, that puts us in a really unique position. I think the other thing that I like appreciate that you highlighted in this report is um, that 
we have kind of three main uh, focuses of our work and um, strategies for how we're going to implement that. And that includes creating powerful content, sharing our message widely, and nudging people to action. And as you highlight in this report, the third one, nudging people to action, is something that we're really going to focus on this year and try to create better ways for members to connect with one another and um, be inspired and supported in being active in their communities. And that's something I'm really excited about doing more of this year. Yeah, this has always been, this was part of the strategic plan from the beginning. And this was actually mm -hmm. kind of the, the edge stuff. I've talked about this before, but I, our, our podcast audience has grown so much. It, it might help to, um, to do a little refresher. When we sat down and put together the strategic plan, kind of the, the main thing that kind of crystallized things for all of us is we took down every idea that all of us had ever had about how Strongtown should function. Everything from, you know, the writing content and, and sharing it to forming political action committees and doing lobbying and community organizing. And we, we put all these ideas up on the wall and then we organized them from, you know, right to left of what, are we best at like what what are we really good at and what are we not so good at and we wound up with this line of things that went from you know on, on the far left things that we really are outside of our core competency but but might be cool to do and on the far right were things that you know hey we're, we're pretty good at this and then we asked the second dimension question which of these things would be most effective in accomplishing our mission and we arranged those up and down so what we wound up with in the upper right were a, a number of things that we were fairly good at that we thought, you know, this is really going to be effective in, in reaching our mission. And, and in the bottom left, we had things that we were bad at and were not going to matter much. <laughs> and so it actually became pretty easy to say, all right, we have limited resources. We have an urgent message. We, we want to you know, make change urgently in the world. Let's focus on the stuff that we're really good at that actually is going to make a difference in the world kind of on the edge. So like some of that was obvious, was very obvious. I mean, the mm -hmm. continuing to write, continuing to podcast, continuing to do curbside chats and events and share a message, uh, obvious stuff. We do well, we need to keep doing it. The stuff that was kind of on the edge was this, you know, nudging people to take action. And maybe I can just distinguish it by saying what this isn't. We're not community yeah. organizers. We don't have a budget uh, we don't want to have, you know, a budget, you know, we're not looking to, to set up camp in a community and, and have representatives there and chapters and, and do all that. It's just not, not the way we think we're going to change the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but we did have a consensus that we can use the, the platforms we're creating and use the channels that we're opening up to communicate, uh, and communicate in such a way that we can nudge people to go out and do things. This was kind of a theory at first. And one of the things that came out of that strategic plan was that we were going to actually start to intentionally document where people were taking our message and then going and doing stuff with it. Um, we had heard of this, but we really didn't have any, you know, good, good evidence of it. We hadn't sit and written down what people had done. We started doing that. And actually you have kind of been doing that for the most part. And I think last year we documented uh, 40 some, different instances of people taking our messages and going and doing stuff, mm -hmm. looking at those and understanding those and talking to people who are, are out doing things. What we've come to realize is that 
there are ways for us to kind of make this path easier. Um, there are ways that we can, uh, things that we can do and uh, things that we're in a position to, to do better where we can actually make it easier for people to go out and, and, and do things once they're inspired by our message. And so really that's what we're looking to do this year. Um, how do we connect people? How do we help them uh, get up to speed and, and, and get moving? And then how do we help them get the support that they need once they're moving in that direction? So, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I don't think we could have pulled this off a year ago, but we're certainly ready for it now. Yeah, I'm really excited for all that we have planned in 2017. And if you want a little bit more of those details, as well as details on how 2016 went and our financials and things like that, um, it's all posted on our website, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. So definitely check that out if you care about um, where we're headed and what we've accomplished so far. So I want to take a minute to welcome the newest members to uh, our Strong Towns movement. Uh, they include Jeff Borish from Columbus, Ohio, Vitaly Gutkovich from Haifa, Israel, Thomas Payson from Dearborn, Michigan, Kim Jeer from Traverse City, Michigan, James Purdy of Newton, Massachusetts, and Eric Shellquist of St. Louis, Missouri. And forgive me if I mispronounced your name. But we're so glad to have all of you guys as part of the Strong Towns movement and as supporting members of our organization. Well, let me just say, you know, especially when we hear people from Haifa who have joined. Um, yeah. I, I talk, I mean, I, I talk almost exclusively about North America. And, you know, we have got uh, the bulk of our members in the United States, quite a few in Canada. I mean, more than a handful and uh, a few, a, a couple, I don't want to say a few. I think we have a couple in Mexico. I know we have at least two. Mm -hmm. um, it might be more than that at this point. Um, but we do have this collection of people around the world, um, you know, in the UK, in Germany and France. Uh, I think we have one in Spain. Brazil. Brazil, yep. I know we've Australia. got some in Australia. Yep. And we have a couple uh, in Israel. And I, I'm, I'm amazed by this. I, I'm humbled by this. I, I, I think it's wonderful and I appreciate it. I, I, I really, really um, am grateful. Uh, I don't speak a lot about those places because I, I, I don't feel like I can speak with a lot of authority. Um, I've traveled throughout Europe. I've not been to Israel. I've not been to South America. I would, I would love the opportunity to do those things mm -hmm. and visit those places. Um, if, if our message is helping there, I think that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess this is my way of apologizing for not being more, uh, intelligent and informed on exactly what is going on in those places. I, I hope to remedy that in the future, but for now, anything that we do that, that you can use in places, not North America, um, please take it and do good. We, um, Creative Commons license all of our stuff, so it's available for you to use. And uh, if you can use it to Im improve the conversation in your community, please, uh, you know, go for it. We would absolutely love that. And let us know. We'd love to highlight it, too. So one way that we are uh, highlighting strong towns all over the country and the world is through our Strongest Town Contest. And I want to mention that right now and make sure that Everyone who's listening to our podcast knows about it because the deadline to apply is this Friday, um, and we'd love a ton of great applications from all over uh, all over the world. Actually, we're 
it's not just limited to the United States. And I saw an application from a town in Australia. So no joke. reading that one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. sure, come on in. So this contest is just about highlighting towns that are building themselves and working towards uh, achieving Strong Towns principles. And we have a little bit more details on our website about what that entails. But uh, to nominate your town for the contest, it's pretty simple. There's just a form with some questions about, like, how is your town's transportation system? How is your town's financial future? Um, what's your favorite thing about your town? Simple things like that. Um, and we invite everyone to nominate their towns and apply. Even if you don't think your town is perfect, um, no town is perfect. But we had a lot of fantastic applications from uh, all over the United States last year. Small towns, big cities. Um, it was really fun to be able to, to read those and get to know places that I had never even heard of see photos, um, get to know some people from those places. So this is a really fun contest. Um, and there's tons of interactive uh, aspects to this once we have the first 16 uh, applicants nailed down. So I uh, encourage everyone to apply. Where can they do that at? I will include the link, but it's just strongtowns.org slash strongest town, or there's a link right in our top menu for the contest. Last year was shocking to me because I, I, I didn't know if we'd get 16 teams, quite frankly, mm -hmm. and then we got way more than that. And then I, I, I wasn't sure that the contest, you know, how it would go. It was an experiment for us. Totally. And um, wow. I mean, not only the enthusiasm of people, which was overwhelming. Um, I mean, our, our site just got hammered for a, a month straight. Um, but, uh, you know, I... I love the fact that we were able to engage all these people around the country to look deeply at their community and ask Strong Towns kind of questions about it. Um, I, I love the fact that we seeded this conversation in, in so many places. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to who steps forward this year. I'm looking forward to getting their pictures and getting their submissions and talking to them about their places. Um, last year, we did a podcast with the Final Four mm -hmm. uh, and, and talked to them about their communities. And, and we did a, a video, a live video uh, with the Final Two. And America voted. And it was, it was a blast. It was really, really exciting. Yeah. So, and I should note that you don't have to be like a government official or, or government staff member oh, to apply. Most gosh, of the applications no. we got last year were just from people who love their place and wanted to talk about it. So please, In fact, anyone should. The final two, the final two were non-governmental. Yeah. Uh, were, were, were completely non-governmental. They were just people who really cared about their place. Yeah. And we also had a lot of people who nominated their town um, with the team. So that's a really good way to go about this. If, if the idea of being on a podcast stresses you out or something, uh, you know, find some friends who can apply for this with you and then uh, share the duties and uh, share the ideas. Yeah. And we're not freaky either. No. This podcast no. is a piece of cake. Yeah. We'll, we'll be kind. And I mean, really, th this is – I've seen some, some contests that other people do because, I mean, it's, it's gonna, getting to be bracket time here in yeah. a couple of weeks. And um, it was really important to me that we did one that was unambiguously positive. And so the, the idea here is not to – Yeah, we didn't do you know, worst road in America or anything. Yeah. It, you know what? That was suggested to us. Like you should do the worst road in America. And you know, I thought, okay, well, yeah, but – I, there's so much good stuff going on 
I mean, everybody's got a Strode. How, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're bad, but not every place is doing great things. And if we could take, you know, three weeks a year, four weeks a year and highlight great, you know, places that are doing great things. Yeah, we, we know, you know, we cover up some of the warts and we don't, you know, delve deeply into every, I mean, every place has a little bit of dysfunction. I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, but the idea here is where the place is doing truly great things. And let's, let's get those out there and celebrate them and let's inspire other people around the country to do similar. So yeah, this is, this was fun last year. And I think this year is going to be even more so. Definitely. Have you been uh, reading any good books lately or listening to any interesting podcasts? You know, I, I started, uh, persuasion. Um, Hmm. if, if, if you caught one theme at our board meeting, it was that, uh, a lot of my reading originates with Ian Rasmussen. Yeah. <laughs> he, he will say, you know, Chuck, you, you need to read this. And then, you know, I put it on the list and then I, I always read it. When he recommends a book, I, I always read them. And, you know, a lot of what, what I brought to the board meeting, uh, I would say, you know, this is because Ian recommended that I read this. And then that caused me to read these five other things. Um, he recommended Persuasion to me, which is... Uh, a, a little bit of so far, a little bit of like behavioral psychology, behavioral economics, and the art of you know persuading people. And I, you know, for where we're at right now as a movement, I, I'm, I know this is why he recommended it to me. Yeah, uh, I think it's right on, and I'm 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 thrilled about it. I'll give you one little I'll give you one little thing, and this one didn't come from this book so far, but it, it came from a similar body of research. And if you're a member, you'll, you'll see this on the emails that we send you um, when it's time to renew your membership. Uh, one of the, they, they did this thing in um, the UK uh, where they were having trouble with people not paying a certain tax. I can't remember what it was. You know, they would send people letters like you need to do this and then they wouldn't respond. And then they'd send them a follow-up letter and then they send them a third letter. What they found is that when they changed the wording of the letter and the letter said 60% or 70% or some like maybe it was even higher than that uh, of, of, you know, UK citizens pay their taxes on time. You have not. <laughs> and then it would go on to, you know, say like the standard things and say, you know, you have to, you know, pay. They've got this deadline. The essentially the if we want to say the stigma or the, uh, you know, the group like. I, I want to be as part of the 90% that pays on time. Yeah. Uh, I don't. And so what they found is that just that one line, like you know, made their, made their compliance rate go up manifold, just huge, wow. huge. Yeah. So they didn't really, you know, they didn't really change anything. They were still sending out a letter, but they just changed like the wording slightly. These are things that I obsess over. So if you get a renewal email from us, it will say, uh, you know, more, more than of member. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I it's actually that. lower than that. I wish it were 90%, but you know, 65% of strong towns members, uh, renew their membership before their membership expires. Uh, you know, and, and it's one of those things they're saying like, yeah, we're all part of a team here. We're all part of a club renewing. You know, if you're on an annual membership, renewing can be a pain because you got to go, remember to go to the website and sign up and enter your information in and go through that process. And I, I get it. Like you, you know, you don't do that when you're driving, you don't do that when you're biking and listening to a podcast. So it's a, you know, there's a, a I, I think a large percentage of people that don't renew would probably like to, 
Um, but you know, it's just not, they're not, they're not pinged to at times that are convenient to do it. Um, this is one of those like, Hey, uh, you know, most people are doing this. Come on. And you know, I, it, it has an impact. So these are, these are techniques that, you know, not only do we use, uh, with our membership and with our audience, but in, you know, how we communicate to, to people, uh, our, just our core message. So it's a great book so far. Well, I've been still trucking on uh, the content trap, but took a break to read some uh, easy fiction. But I am liking it, and it is—it's actually—it's pretty easy read. Um, it's just a long book, so maybe I should yeah. uh, find out which parts are the most important and just skip to those. Did we ever talk about the content trap here? I think we did, um, but maybe not a whole lot. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear your summary because you know, for me, uh, this was a. Uh, this was a timely book because it really gave us this, you know, I, I, I think it would be very easy for us to get lost in uh, thinking that the content was the answer when mm-hmm. actually the answer I think is the, the nudging people to take action part. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, w- w- I don't know how far you are, but give me your reaction so far. I'm mostly in the phase of the book where the author is kind of just talking about these different examples of, media organizations, tech organizations uh, that have handled challenges like newspapers converting to digital and stuff like that. A lot of stories about companies who have like beaten the odds and done this like weird creative thing to uh, uh, expand their base of readers and expand their profits and things like that. So I'm mostly in the like hearing those interesting examples yeah, yeah. phase of the book. I, I do like the, you know, the, the New York times paywall story. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you've probably got, it's really fascinating. And to me, like the takeaway lesson from that is, you know, first of all, just because something doesn't work the first time doesn't mean it's a bad idea. You, you may have to, to tweak it and try again, or the time may not be right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, and I think this is most important for us, um, it's it's great to steal ideas from others and and you can look at others and say like this appears to be successful for them in uh, you know in terms of trying things let's try this yeah um and and we've done a lot of that really i mean there there was there've been a lot over the last 18 months where we've oh, sat yeah. down and said all right we think we know what we're doing here we got an idea but let's look at what other people are doing and see if there's something we can learn from that mm-hmm. I, I think the new york times paywall thing uh points out that you can do that uh, but to a point, I mean, you have to also understand the, the differences between what you do and what the other organization does. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly for me, as, as I've been looking at other organizations that are similar to us or in similar space or trying to do similar things, and I see the way they do advertising and the way they um, kind of use partisan buzzwords to, to to kind of gin up mm-hmm. hits and, and dialogue and conversation. And I, I think it would be real easy for us. And we, you know, we've had these conversations internally at times. It, I think it would be really easy for us to, um, to see success doing some, you know, copying some of those things that other people have done. Um, that's not our, that's not our approach. And I, that's not, I think where we're going to be successful. The New York times thing gave me a little bit more confidence in that because basically the story of the New York times thing is they, they figured out how to do a paywall 
And then all these other places copied, started to copy them and theirs failed Mm -hmm. and they failed because they're just not the New York times. I mean, people have a different relationship with the New York times than they do with say your local newspaper. So, you know, my local newspaper is trying to do the, uh, the New York times thing. And I think they're failing miserably at it. And they actually make reading their product horrible because of the, the pop-ups and the different things that they've done to kind of screw up the, Yeah. But, you know, they're trying to figure out how to run a, you know, make a local paper cash flow, which is really, really tough. So, yeah, I think one of the yeah. things I've been reflecting on as I'm reading is um, basically all the examples that they've used so far in the book are about for profit companies whose goal is to make money. Now, obviously, like the New York Times also has a goal of, you know, you know, brilliant journalism and truth telling. Oh, come on. They're about making money. Okay. But what I was going to say is fundamentally they are about making money and fundamentally strong hounds is not about making money. I mean, we of course need money to like sustain our work, but if our ultimate goal is not to make money, but to share our message, then how do the things that I'm learning from this book need to be shifted? How are the goals slightly different? The biggest difference from a business standpoint is that we are planning to go out of business. Um, you know, I, I hope that at some point in the future we are successful and we are no longer needed, you know, or like, all we're we doing just, is we, sharing success stories. <laughs> Strongest town. Yeah, which, everyone wins. Right. Which would get really boring yeah. actually after a while. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I do hope, I mean, the, the the hope here is that we share our message, you know, broadly and then we go away, mm-hmm. you know, people adopt changes and, and then we're no longer needed. And I think that's interesting to have in the back of our minds because it does change. You know, we're not trying to be an anti-fragile organization that can survive changes in market conditions. And, you know, we're trying to be a fragile change agent that comes in. Uh, you know, moves the dialogue in one direction and then sees that going successfully and then goes away, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I, if, if, if that happened in the next three years, I would gladly move on to doing something else. I I, I suspect it won't, but you know, we'll see, maybe, maybe we'll be so wildly successful uh, that three years from now I can go maybe be like, um, a bus driver at Disney. yeah, a bus driver at Disney World. Right. That was that was always Good my default. <laughs> well, no, when I was um when I was a frustrated engineer and a you know, frustrated planner, that was like you know, everybody's got their like oh, yeah. take this job and shove it kind of thing and that that was mine. Like I I I am sick of that. like I can't handle this anymore. I'm just going to go be a bus driver at Disney World because everybody's happy when they get on the bus at Disney World. And, uh, I can just, you know, drive people around, smile at them, say happy things. And I, I won't have to like worry about how screwed up <laughs> all this stuff is. So no, instead I did strong towns. So my version of uh, that job would be being a baker or maybe owning a B and B somewhere really cool. I, I have actually have dreams of starting my own confectionery. Uh, where we, you know, yeah, you where you make all those Christmas cookies. And stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 I think it would be really fun. My, my fear would be that, you know, I love all the baking, but I do it for three weeks. Um, yeah. A year. You had to wake up at 4am every day to bake. Yeah. That could get old. It, it might not be as cool, but I, you know, that, that's what I like hold in the back of my head is like, okay, 
someday. Someday. Maybe someday a Strong Town's <laughs> bake sale should happen. Well, let's wrap it up for today, but uh, thanks everyone for listening and make sure to check out that annual report. We're pretty proud of it. And we'll have a new podcast for you on Thursday. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.